0: In myself, my competency comes from God. Paul said that. We got some here that are on the four and five year plan. Come on, you need to pray this out today. That he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete and accomplish that work. You failing spirit, get behind me. You drop out spirit, you spirit of quitting, get behind me. Come on, fourth years. You need to speak it out today. Nothing, nothing can hinder you in the plan that God has. No weapon formed against you can prosper. Claim your victory right now. Because you are in a fight, soldier. You are in a fight. You are in a fight. Just a few more moments of private reflection between you and the Lord. Just worship him now in the beauty of holiness. As you believe he's given you that victory, just worship him. Tell him thank you. of righteousness for your name's sake. You will lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Now before we get into the message right now, I want you to examine your heart, and you need to learn to do this every week you come. Examine your heart and how you have lived the previous week. Are you walking worthy of the standard? Are you living the new life, or are you operating out of the flesh and the the ways of Satan. You need to repent of those ways right now because they will deceive your heart. Sin will harden your heart. Sin will take you places. You never wanted to go and keep you there longer than you wanted to say. We've had already about five SUM students in the last four years drop out because of sin, lose their calling, lose their passion, lose the desire that they started with. Search your heart. Are you right with God? Yeah, you can blame it on us. I've been blamed before because of people's sin. But let me just tell you something right here. I haven't backslid and I haven't left this ministry. The devil is a liar. You can blame it on everybody. You can blame it on everything. You can say that it's the quitting spirit. It's the this spirit. You can blame it on the devil even if you want to. Listen to me. My friend, it's between you and God whether or not you finish what you start here. It's not between anybody else. I will go home today and I will be blessed with or without you. And this church will go on with or without you. SUM will go on with or without you. Nations will be reached with or without you. It is up to you. It's between you and God right now, baby. It's between you and God. That's it. You and God. Will you make it? Get your heart right. You need to learn to come to chapel and search your heart. Sometimes it may not come in the form of sin and temptation. Other times it may be double-mindedness. The Bible says a man that's double-minded is unstable in all that he does. Now this does not mean that everything about your calling will be revealed to you, but you must be sure that you are called. If you doubt your calling, you will become double-minded and you will be more susceptible to all kinds of temptations and distractions. When you are focused on your calling, it will provide a plan of escape, discipline, Because I was focused in Bible college on my calling. I did not go the way of temptation. It became road, uh, uh, boundaries for me on the road. You have to make a decision right now to search your heart and be honest between you and God. Am I right with God? Is my cup clean today? Is my heart pure today? Because it's not about anybody else but you and Jesus. He will do it without you. But he wants to do this with you. He's put a calling on you, and he wants to do it with you. But what happened to Judas when he didn't want to go? We replaced him. The disciples replaced him at the first meeting. Bam, get another one. What happened when John Mark quit on Paul's journey? The next chapter, he meets Timothy. Bam, you will be replaced. God is not playing with the harvest. If you're here to be a laborer, you're here to do it God's way. We're not lowering the standard. They didn't go, you didn't watch nothing at the Olympics where they said, we're going to make the pool smaller because somebody can't swim the length of the pool. We're going to lower down the, uh, the, the high vault bar. We're going to lower down the bar because this poor person from this country didn't get to practice enough. We're going to lower the bar. Lower it. We're going to make a handicap out here for the, the pole vault. There was no lowering of the standard, my friend. They didn't shorten the track. They didn't shorten the pool. Standard was the standard, and you had to compete. That's it. Now The person you're competing against is yourself. Will you live to the standard that God in Christ Jesus has commanded you to live by? Will you do it? Or will you make excuses? Will you put it on others? Will you get out of the race? Well, that standard's too much. Well, I don't know if I agree with SUM. says I can't be alone with another opposite sex. That's just weird. I'm an adult. They should know I, sh- I-, I shouldn't have to be able to do that. Well, I don't agree with SUM telling me that I have to do prayer journals. What's that bit, you know, it's none of their business what I pray about. I'm better than that. I've been a Christian all these years. Why do I have to let the leadership know I'm going to be in a relationship and take their advice on how to move forward in that relationship? I should be able to date and marry whenever I want. Shouldn't it be against the rule. See, all that's pride. Get that out of your heart. That will hinder you. That will hold you back. Just like you've been a part of Metro Praise, there's 10 other churches that will tell you it's okay. and There's 10 other Bible colleges, too, that will tell you it's okay. North Park will take you. Matter of fact, College colleges right now, fuller seminaries allowing boyfriend and girlfriends to live together on the campus. So you want to sleep with your girlfriend, boyfriend? Hey, let's not make a big deal about it. Let's let you live in the same dorms together. And then guess what else they're trying to add to Fuller right now? Homosexual students, open lesbianism and homosexuality on Fuller Seminary. It's one of the best evangelical seminaries of our day. And now it's going the same way of Harvard and all the rest. Harvard used to be a Bible college. Now it's the seat of liberalism. To be liberal is to be against God's word. Oh, yeah, you can drop out of SGM and find another college that will give you a degree. Oh, yeah. You can change the standard if you want. You can go buy yourself a Walmart basketball goal and lower it down three feet so you can take a Nerf ball and dunk it like Michael Jordan and play, uh, uh, you know, make-believe NBA in your backyard. You can do that if you want. Plenty of opportunities to play make-believe Christian in America. You can play make-believe Christian, but you won't do it here. This is not just for disciples. The church is for disciples. This is a place for people who want to be in the five-fold ministry and make disciples for the rest of their life. You are called. If you are here, you are called to be the people that the disciples look up to that others come to and ask advice. They will work hard. They will spend 10 hours, 12 hours a day working construction, some of them jobs they don't like, and will give joyfully 10%, 20% of their income in an offering so that you can have a place to live for the simple fact they look to you as a leader and they want you to be given the opportunity to study and to pray. what it means to be in the ministry. People support you. You're not going to get rich out of this. You're here to give up everything, to follow Jesus, and you will have to be dependent upon what people give, and they will give that to you out of one heart condition that you lead them. You don't let them down. You don't have an affair. You don't quit. You don't get into the ways of Satan. You live for Jesus. Just heard of my best friend Wayne Northrup, one of his family members, just had an affair, is out of ministry right now. Relative, won't mention the name, but one of the relatives overseas in missions, been in missions 20 years, my age, kids, pastor, had an affair. See, check your heart. You learn to do it here and then you learn to do it every day of your life. Doesn't mean you live it out perfect. It just means you perfect. You are perfected. You perfect this walk. You you walk this out with fear and trembling. You don't accept sin in the cup. You cleanse that, you let Jesus cleanse that cup and you put that pure cup before him every day and say, Lord, here's my cup. I believe it's cleansed, but if it's not, show me any wicked way in me. Let me get it right. Because I want to be in right standing with you. Now, that should not be a message of condemnation or judgment for anybody here. That should be joyful because I don't know about you, but I don't like having mud in my water. I don't know about you, but I don't want to have a divorce on my hands and, and split time with my children and to be hooked on crystal meth with some homosexual love affair prostitute on the side. I don't want to be found in a hotel with drugs in the hotel and OD as one pastor was. I don't want to be accused by young men of the church of sending inappropriate pictures to them and me touching them in an inappropriate place. Sin has nothing for me, my friends, and I hope it doesn't have anything for you. The pleasures of sin are temporary, and they will deceive you. The temporary pleasures of sin are deceitful. But Jesus gives you everlasting life and everlasting joy. Come on. Sing that one more time, sister. You look down from heaven. And let's just let him look into our hearts today and get right and get happy and make some determination, make some vows, make some decrees that our yes, will be yes. Thank you, Lord. We love you. That's why we're here. We're motivated by love. Come on, we're motivated by love. a smile if you feel Jesus right now. Come on, let the joy of the Lord come into your heart. I don't know about you, but Olympians wanted to be there, didn't they? They love that, don't they? They love that challenge. Come on, is there a fighter within you today? Is there a conqueror within you today? Is there a man or woman of God inside crying out for more? Is that your passion? Do you want to do this the rest of your life? Whether it be in the jungles of Nepal, in the inner cities of Cincinnati, Detroit, Miami, in the rural areas of Kansas, come on, Utah, are you willing to go where he sends you? Preach what he tells you. We are yours, God. We are yours. We are your servants. Lay it down, God, all for you. Draw, me near to you. Draw me near to you. Draw me near to you. Draw me near to you. Oh, what an honor. What a privilege. Draw me near to you. Draw me near to you. Draw me near to you. That that would be the prayer and the desire of our heart to the day we graduate. That Lord, we would be able to say that with everything in us, draw me near to you always and forever. In Jesus' name, can you say amen? Amen. Can we bless him today? Are you all excited? You know how to keep, you just turn the volume down. Everybody's good. You guys grab seats over here, please. You can turn it down a whole lot more. One, two, one, two. A little bit more than that. Just so that's basically doing the recording. Oh, wow. How many of you all excited? Isn't this wonderful to serve God? And uh, everybody on this side, please. And the reason why you see me with the microphone, because I want you to be able to look back on these and, and to listen to them. They'll be recorded. And also we will uh, upload them to the SGM website so that other uh, cohorts can listen to them. And you are expected to listen to the sermons on the website as well. Chancellor knows it's mandatory. And then for your others, I would recommend going there. There's a lot of good cohort advisors and a lot of good visionary leaders that you'll be able to learn from. As you've already heard me in the beginning of this message, and by the way, you always need to have your Bibles and note, paper and pen here ready. As you heard me in the prayer time, you need to come to chapel expecting God to speak to you, and you also need to be ready for God to change you and to cleanse you and purify you. What you learn here is going to be what keeps you in ministry when you're out there. And if you don't know how to do it here, you won't be able to do it out there. Now, I don't want to speak fear or doubt to any of you here, but I know that many of you are, you know, facing challenges. And if you do not allow God to give you the strength and the ability, this will be your last semester. You will succumb to temptation. You will fail. And we've had people mess up in the first week. First semester happens all the time. And so I adjure you, I compel you right now to get right with God and live right with God. We don't doubt anybody's call here. It's not a question of are you called? The question is now: Are you going to walk worthy of your calling? That is really the question. There are many scriptures I'd like for you to share uh, to share with you today, uh, but today's title of, of the message is going to be "Walk Worthy of the Calling." <clears throat> Excuse me. Chapel time will be always a time of praise and worship, then a time of uh, you know prayer, so that worship time will kind of lead you to prayer, and others will get on the mic as I did, some of the other graduates. And then it will be a time of preaching the word and then also prayer at the end. So just come expecting these to be great times. And, uh, you know, keep your journals with you. You can write down a lot of your journaling uh, here in the, in, in the uh, chapel time so that you can be able to put them in your, uh, your Smoodles. I want you to uh, turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17. And I'm going to show you a, a couple different scriptures that talk about this a concept of walking worthy of your calling. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 17 says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. And the double honor there is they are honored with respect and obedience among the people. People respect them and obey them. That's in Hebrews 3.17. You can reference that. And then also the honor of receiving money in the ministry. So there's two honors that elders get. They get the honor of being in charge, and then they get the honor of uh, making money from the ministry. So that's what you're here to do. You're here to become an elder. An elder is an overseer, is a preaching and teaching leader. And we believe that women can be equally elders as men. And you'll learn that in your theology classes. uh, The Bible college is along the lines of the Assemblies of God. And our church shares the same doctrines and the same positions as the Assemblies of God. Why? Because I went to an Assembly of God Bible college. When we say as Metro Praise we're non-denominational, what that simply means is we don't have a denomination that dictates to us how we live. We have leaders that dictate to us how we live, and that specific leader... Is Brother Anthony, to my wife and I, my wife and I, then to the pastoral elders, the pastoral elders, to the governing elders, the governing elders, to the deacons. So the church is ruled by those leaders, not an organization somewhere in the distance. So that's just what non-denominational means. That does not mean that we don't have uh, rules and structure. It just means that our structure does not come from an outside place. It is coming here inwardly. Does everybody understand that? Okay, and the role of metro praise, as we describe in our books, as you've seen in the 201, is that the apostolic elder is the one who plants the churches. The pastoral elders are the ones who work within those churches. The governing elders are those who are not called to be full-time in ministry; they're more or less lay people working jobs, and they do the life groups and lead in the ministry in, in in the lay sense. And then the deacons are those who serve the elders. And so for our church structure. You can become a pastoral elder or governing elder if you have graduated SUM. Now, SUMS prepares you for the, the pastoral elder role. Pastoral elders being sent out become apostolic elders. So if someone does not have the SUM degree in our church, the greatest position they can have is a governing elder and be a life group leader. But for someone to become a pastor, as what we would uh, see as preaching and teaching, to operate in the fivefold ministry continually, full-time, that has to be an SUM graduate. That's just the pattern we've set up. And then those who want to go out and plant new churches would be considered the apostolic elders. Now in a city where there's already an apostolic elder like myself and I'm starting multiple campuses, those leaders who are over those campuses are still considered pastoral elders because they're under the direct influence of myself in that city. That's why we don't have multiple apostolic elders in one city. And that's why when we go around the world, we have one apostolic elder of Delhi, one apostolic elder of those, uh, those places. Having said all of that, The Bible simply defines leadership as elders and deacons. We classify our elders in those three positions, apostolic elders who are like Paul, planting the churches, pastoral elders like Timothy who are there overseeing the churches, and now Timothy here is making other kinds of elders that are underneath him we call those governing elders. But in the Bible, there's just the one term, elder. Does everybody understand that? We see there's three roles of an elder. There's an apostolic elder, pastoral elder, and a governing elder. Paul is that apostolic elder. He's the one writing the letter. The one receiving the letter is his campus pastor, like Chris. So I would be like Paul, writing the letter to Chris. So I'm the apostolic elder, like Paul, writing to Chris, who's like the pastoral elder. Now Chris is being told to make elders like Rudy and others in that congregation. Those are who we call governing elders. Does everybody get that? It's not. Word-for-word scripture, but it's our best application of scripture. And then deacons are simply those who help the elders. And a deacon can set their heart on being an elder if they do what elders do, and that is remain faithful to their calling and continue to serve in the ministry. And then for us to go beyond a governing elder, you then become an SUM student, and that is who you are today. And the Bible says you are to be considered worthy of double honor. So this is the journey that you are now taking. You are taking a journey that when you graduate SUM in our church, you would be able to receive monies from the church and to be in charge of ministries. Now, because MetroPraise doesn't have all the monies we need to pay our people, they are only receiving part of that honor, and that's they're in charge of ministries. But as money comes in, money will be given to them so they can receive double honor. So right now, I'm the only elder in MetroPraise that receives the double honor. I'm in charge. That's one honor. And I also have finances. The majority of my finances comes from this, the school. But we hope that as the church grows, we can begin to give more honor and finances to those who have graduated. Is everybody tracking with me? Now, the Bible then goes on, verse 18, for the Scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox when it treads out the grain. The laborer deserves his wages. So the example there of why we should pay and take care of our leaders is that you don't want the one working to not get paid. As if he was a mule, an ox, treading out the grain, that work ox, you want to make sure you feed him. Otherwise, he passes out. Now you have nothing to do, your, nobody do no animal to do your work. So as it started with me seven years ago, and I have paid my dues, as it were, five plus years before we started receiving those finances of a church, that means up until that time I was working like an ox without getting paid. Do you guys track with me. Then around the five-year mark, I started to get paid by the college and different things. And my wife didn't have to continue to work a a secular job. That's a non-ministry job at a bank. We could go full-time, which we consider that term full-time meaning we make our only living off the ministry. So I'm full-time ministering now. Well, that was after five years. And in the scale of my life, that was ten years since graduating Bible college. So I cannot promise you when you will start to get fed by the ministry. It may be ten years from the day you graduate. It may be one year from the year you graduate. Because in other denominations in other structures, when you graduate from a good college like SUM, you can go immediately and work for other churches and receive finances. And there's nothing wrong with that. And we will give you the opportunity after you have finished what you started here if you want to leave Metro Praise as we did the others and we said, okay, you have finished your schooling here. We believe what you start, you finish, okay? You start here, you finish here. And that is the way we believe it. But at the time you finish, we'll do the same talk we did with them. We will give you an opportunity. If you want to be released, if you want to go join a denomination or go work at another church, that is now the time to do it because you have finished what you started. You're in good standing with us and whatever you desire. We'll support whatever you say God says. We won't judge you. That's the time to do it. Are you listening to me? It's not time to do it when you're in sin. It's not time to do it when you get tired of hearing our rebukes and you want to go to another campus or another school that makes it easier on you. Because not all SUM campuses hold the same standard. Still to this day, I'm one of only three SUM graduates that actually has a campus. So I am not only a uh, campus leader, but I'm a graduate of the school. There's only two others. Uh, that is uh, Juan Gonzalez, and now, um, uh, well, actually, there's going to be five, but I don't know if they've started. I don't. I know Al is starting one and a few others, but I'm the only one that's a professor and a cohort advisor and a graduate, so I have a lot of firsts, so I can just basically tell you this, I know what SGM is supposed to look like, and we get complimented all the time, especially by Brother Anthony uh, Freeman, who's our pastor, who was one of the founders Of the original S.U.M., the first one in New Orleans, says when he comes here, this reminds me, out of all the cohorts I've seen, other than his own, obviously, of what S.U.M. was from the very beginning. Okay. So we want you to walk worthy. One day you're going to be in charge of stuff, and one day you're going to get paid for doing this. Verse 18, we should pay you. You should get uh, feeding reward off of this so you can continue your work. Verse 19, do not admit a charge against an elder except on the evidence of two or three witnesses. So when sin comes against our elders, as you see now in the church, we need them to come with witnesses. That's why you cannot just bring an accusation against me personally by yourself. We ask you to go to another elder and tell an elder your accusation so that elder can serve as your witness and bring it to me. Otherwise, I could just say, no, you're lying. So if a woman said, "Uh, Joe, you touched my boobies, I could say, no, you're lying. I didn't touch your boobies. But if she tells that to another elder and the other elder who I trust is convinced, now that elder can convince other elders that if I'm really in sin, I need to be rebuked. And that also guards me on the other end of having to defend myself. Because if I didn't touch your boobies and you can't convince other leadership that I did, then we don't want to deal with that. Are you listening, ladies? Because I'm telling you, that's how it can happen. Or men, you know what I'm saying, making passes at you guys, you know. Uh, you know, we need to have witnesses according to that. So in the church structure of Metro Praise, you don't bring an accusation towards any elder unless you've told it first to another elder and then they handle it with you. That is for your protection and for the elder's protection that they're not always having to defend themselves. Uh, Nancy looked at me weird. Should I said I say, Brestesses"? I'm just trying to say something that would have. Get the idea in young women's mind. We don't allow perversion from anybody here, okay? So we'll just move on, okay? And make it, the women feel uncomfortable. I'm sorry. But I'm just saying, you hear this. I mean, I'm telling you, you, you hear this all the time. Men falling in ministry with their secretary. Pastor Ron, Grandpa Ron that was here, has been a pastor for over 30 years in Fort Wayne, Indiana. He put a pastor in place, okay? And then he started traveling doing what he was like doing here. Like He was just going to travel around and teach other pastors. The pastor he put in place had an affair. The church went from 800 to 80 people. The entire congregation left. That young man blew up in the wrong way the ministry that Pastor Ron had built for 30 years. Think about that. So that's why I start these conversations in that same vein. Okay. Number, uh, verse 20. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all so that they may that they, that the rest may stand in fear. Let me read that again. As for those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all, so that the rest may stand in fear. The Bible is teaching us that when you get to that place, we are to rebuke you before all. If you become an elder, a preacher or teacher, a pastoral elder, an apostolic elder, a leader, a governing elder, one over the life groups, and you fall, We are to tell the people around you how you fell so that they will take heed and and, and fear the Lord. It is our duty to do that. Are you listening to me? Now, there may be people that leave the church for whatever reason, and they don't always like what we do, and and that's okay. We're not here to, to, to talk about everybody's business, but we're talking about those who continue in sin, and they were leaders. It is our job to tell those they were leading, this is what happened to them. So if God forbid, if I ever started selling my body in homosexual love affairs on Belmont and Clark for $5 hits of, of crystal meth, you know, to have, to have, you know, to live out my uh, boy's town fantasies, okay? If, if that happened, it would be the duty of the other elders here, Brother uh, Jared and, and Adam, to come before you and say, our pastor has lost his mind. <laughs> he is no longer our pastor. He is not to be listened to. Do not listen to him. Do not follow him. And we pray that he will repent. Okay, that's what, it, that's what I would expect of myself, and that's the standard that we hold you to. Now, why am I telling you this? Because now it's done privately. Now it's done between you and SUM and us as your advisors, SOAs, and you need to be honest in this process of sanctification, of God making you holy. And you need to share that, and that is private information, and we will not share that with others. If you give us permission to, or you want to share it as a testimony in chapel, come before the rest of your students and say, you know, this is how I sinned, or whatever. That's between you and the Lord, but this is private now. And God is being merciful to you now. Some of you have made mistakes, and you've had to take time off. You've come back. Others of you had made mistakes before you were SUM students, and we had to sit you down out of ministry. There's people here that have had made mistakes before, Okay. And they've had to do the right things to, to, to get in a good place with God. This is the time to do that, not to make mistakes, but this is the time to make mistakes right. If you should make a mistake, make it right. But don't put it in your heart. I'm going to make mistakes. But I'm telling you, you can make mistakes right here, though. You can, okay? But set in your heart not to. And then in verse 21 it says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of the elect angels I charge you to keep these rules without prejudging and doing nothing out of uh, partiality. So we shouldn't, you know, judge things, uh, you know, prejudging. We want to hear your side. We want to understand you. We, We need to be able to be patient with you. Maybe stories don't get always corresponded the right way. This happens a lot. That's why I don't like being involved in situations anymore, okay, unless everybody there is involved, Uh, that's involved is there. Because now, you know, it's passed from one leader to another leader to me, and we're making decisions. If we do that, we'll come back and say we're sorry, make the wrong decision. We'll say we're sorry. But our heart is not to prejudge, to get the full story. Are you listening? And then at the same time, we will not have any favorites here. So, you know, if you like to fish and you go fishing with me or or you like to wakeboard fellas or ladies, if you like to hang out with our babies and come over because that's what Nancy likes to do is hang out with babies. No, I'm kidding. She likes to shop, you know, and do that. And if you you all do that, that's fine. You sin, we rebuke you just the same. There are no favorites here. There are no favorites in the church. As a matter of fact, those of you who have tracked with us for some time, you know, of course, we have the master students here. That it seems like all those who try to get into friendship with me or with us as leaders and bypass steps always get knocked down the hardest because they have the worst amount of pride. And I have actually tried to distant myself from people like that. Okay, this is not a click. This is not, you get to be a minister in Joe's church if you also have spiky hair and you look like the Chicago Shore, you know. This is not a church for the Chicago Shore to feel at home. I could care less if you and I both pump our fists in the same dance music and like eating pizzas. If you don't live for God, you will not be a pastor here, and we will pick Jared over you. And I say that as a perfect, uh, as a, as a perfect uh, example uh, of the opposite. You see what I'm saying? I'm not looking to Jared because he, he's hip, he's a hipster, he hangs out in Wicker Park and all the guys ask where he got his shoes from. You know, No, he is the total opposite of that. But he is one of my most trusted allies here because of his place in the ministry. And what he's done for God. We don't play favorites here. I don't care if you're you're, you're small, skinny, fat, cute, whatever, however we classified in the world. Because I say that to, to be honest with you. You look at some churches, it's like they uphold an image with their leadership. They all look the same size. They all look the same fashion design. I mean, it's like what have you, it's like a click. Like you all look the same. I'm being honest with you. I see especially a lot in my friend's church plants, and I was talking to Brother Anthony about this, and it's like what they're trying to do is build an image, and it's anti-Christ. I'm not saying their church is going to hell. I'm just saying it's against Christ. Christ is not about building an image, like this image, you know, like, you know, like we all look like this, and we all talk like this, and we all have boats on the lakefront that we go to after church, and, you know, we all do our Pilates together, and that's our church, and that's what we, you know, we all value, you know, or on the same side, you know, we all homeschool, and we all don't wear makeup, and, and all of our women look weird, you know, and, and the guys' breath stink, you know, I mean, it, there, there, there's, there's just, there should be a variety of people in the church. There should be people, with, you know, in our leadership should be people with nerdy personalities, should be people with jock personalities, should be people with social light personalities, should be people with shy, reserved personalities. You should be able to look at a leadership of a church and see all kinds of representations. And I hope you see that at Metro Praise. I hope you can. You can see a color of variety, a rainbow there. Amen. And I know some of you know what I'm talking about because you've been to those churches. You're like, you all look the same. Y'all talk the same. Y'all don't have anybody else other than these kind of people here. And that's okay. Amen? We're still waiting for our vegetarian. We don't have one in the leadership yet, but maybe our vegan will be coming soon. No, I'm kidding. They wouldn't last long. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. We could handle a vegan. It's like that person, you know what I'm saying? It's like the cheese pizzas for that person. Yeah, we have one that's going to be our closest one to it, but you're definitely not a vegan. You like guns and you like meat, so you're, but you are the, the artsy. We'll, we'll. Move past this, okay? (laughs) Okay, and then verse 22 do not be hasty in laying on of hands, nor take part in the sins of others. Keep yourself pure. So we cannot lay hands on you quickly. As the Bible says, do not make an elder, uh, do not make a novice an elder, otherwise they will fall into the same temptation of the devil. So that gives us an insight to the devil's temptation. Somehow the devil was put in a position where he had to get to his heart, you know, and he felt that he deserved worship. And, and the image that we get from Isaiah and Ezekiel is that he was in the presence of God where the angels would worship, as if he was in front of God or by God. So meaning, if we're in this uh, heavenly place now and you're all the angels and I would be representing Lucifer, Jesus would be here. And so it gives the impression that Lucifer was always seeing the praises going to Jesus, like how I see all of you now. And he let that get to him, and so he then kind of stood in front of Jesus and said, now worship me. And a third of the angels said, we'll do it. And then they fell from heaven. That quickly, you understand? God did not play with rebellion. And it's the same thing with us is, is that we do not want a novice to get into the ministry because you stand in front of Jesus. You know, you're worshiping, you, you know, you're trying to focus on Christ. And also you start looking at the crowd and you want to become, you know, the next Creed or the next, you know, Conway Twitty or the next, you know, Willie Nelson. Some of your dreams to be the next Willie Nelson. I'm just trying to be funny by saying obscure names. That was what I was doing there. And you stand in front of Je- you stand in front of Jesus, you know, because you want to be the the next Bono of you two. You do that, you're going to fall, and you're going to take a lot of people down with you. You start preaching and you start looking around at all the people looking at you and everybody following you. And they they say amen when you do. They love your personality because there's a lot of good preachers that have personality and senses of humor and all that. And you start stepping in front of Jesus. And it can happen to us at any time. It could happen to me. Okay? So I take this with warning. But as a leader, I'm not supposed to put you in that place. Laying out of hands means we're ordaining you to that ministry. Okay? God anoints you. Man, excuse me. God anoints you. Man appoints you. God has already given you the Holy Spirit and all your giftings. It's already in you right now. It is yours. I did not give it to you. No man can give it to you. But it is up to us as leaders to discover it and to pull it out and place you in places of ministry. That's what we do, okay? And then you'll repeat that same cycle in others. So God anoints, man appoints, right? And so we're not going to appoint you until your time. Now, the good thing is the practical side of ministry, the eight hours you'll be doing, the two different four-hour ones, is you will have the opportunity to work in ministry. And people will look to you already different now with a higher standard. People are expecting you to know more. Why? Because you're going to college. People are going to ask you to pray more than they have before because they're expecting you to do that, okay? And we're expecting you to be able to handle that. And if you don't have the right answer or you feel it needs to be given to one of your leaders, you need to be humble enough to go, you know, I don't really know about that. I think you should ask Pastor Chris. Or you should also be able to say, hey, you know what? I don't feel comfortable counseling the opposite sex. You know, I've been told not to do that. I think you should go see, uh, you know, Sister Cynthia if you have questions about that. You should be able to reference people, okay, and not have the pride of thinking you know it all or you have to be everybody's savior. That was the introduction. If you're ready for the message, can you say, Amen? How many just love it when I tell you guys that? Don't you just love that? Is it getting old to you? Because I don't think it's old. No, some of you are like, ah, it's fake laugh. You know it's old. <laughs> Come on, I can see right through that. I can see right through that. Okay, I just want to give you about four scriptures right now that continue with the theme of honor, okay, uh, walking worthy of your calling. I want you to turn to 2 Thessalonians 1.11. These one, I, you know, I'm just teasing when I say it's the introduction. In one sense I mean it because it's like as a preacher now, I'll explain that to you. What I mean is I've set it up to give you my other points. Like, you understand now what it means to walk worthy, and now I'm just going to support that with other points. So usually my body of my message is actually shorter than my introduction. Because I feel if I've done my introduction well, then I can just give you points now uh, in the message. And I do know about the time in our 1 o'clock time deadline. So I'm OK. I'm just you know going with, going with the flow here. 2 Thessalonians 2.11. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may count. Excuse me. To this end, we pray for you always that our God may make you work. See, you know what? Exactly. I can always tell when I'm tongue-tied. Weren't we just talking about this last week? I study out of the ESV in the NASB, but I read out of the NIV, okay? Some of you newbies, you're getting a little confused. There's different versions of the Bible, the New International Version is what I read out of. The English Standard Version and the New American Standard Version are the ones I study out of, okay, because I have different study Bibles, different reading Bibles. Oh, I got all types of Bibles. Okay, but the bottom line is this. Whenever I don't read out the NIV, I get tongue-tied. As you saw me just getting tongue-tied. And I did it in our meeting Monday because when we do our devotions, I read, and I have my study Bible usually set here, and I start getting tongue-tied. It's like this: King James is easy to memorize out of. Those of you who want to memorize, try the King James. It's very poetic, even though the these and thou's are there. The way it is set up, it's very poetic. It's, it's just most people say it's easy to memorize out of. Reading out loud, NIV, and that's what we use in our congregation, and then studying. I would say pick one: New American Standard Version (NASB). Okay, just little helpful hints there. Second Thessalonians two eleven. With this in mind, we constantly pray for you. Doesn't that sound more normal? that our God may count you worthy of his calling, and that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. Woo, come on. That is an awesome scripture, isn't it? Walk worthy of the calling. Point number one, I am praying that you walk worthy of the calling. I'm praying for you. Okay, And I pray that you pray for yourself as well. But point number one is we are praying for you. We are praying like Paul. And there are two things that we want you to do worthy of that calling. Two things. Number one, we want God to fulfill every good purpose in your life. That's what I'm praying. God fulfill every good purpose in Stephanie's life. God fulfill every good purpose in Christina's life, and Adam's life. Fulfill every good purpose. And number two, every act prompted by their faith, Lord. Let that be met by your power. Remember the Bible says in Mark 16 that as they went out and preached, the Lord confirmed his word with the signs that followed Said, Remember we read that last week? I pray that as you go out and preach and you act in faith, the things you do, the Lord will perform. The things you step out to do, the Lord will be there to perform. Get that in your understanding. There is a purpose God has for you. And then there are acts that you will do. Like you chose the pair of shoes you wanted this morning. You got to choose what cereal you ate or what bagel you got or what you know flavor of coffee. God will allow you a liberty in the kingdom of God to do things. And as you do them, if they're done out of faith, he will reward you and bless you. I wish I could say that I've prayed five hours and felt the Lord tell me to do everything I've done in ministry. I haven't. I just simply read his word and I do my best to act it out. And when I do it out of faith, God responds to me out of faith. That's the ability he gives us. Now, I should be led of the Spirit, and if God closes a door, or I feel grieved, or someone gives me good advice, I should be open to hear that. But for the most part in ministry, I'm simply seeing the great need, and I'm saying, God, what do you want me to do? And I feel God says back to me, start meeting the needs you can. And so I'll find a ministry over here to do. And, you know, I started reaching out to the west side. I did feel God led me there, but I don't feel like he told me every single thing to do there. I just started acting in faith. I started preaching because I know I'm supposed to preach. And I started feeding because I I know I'm supposed to feed. Are are you guys tracking with me? And so you don't have to get caught up in, do I know every jot and tittle of what God wants me to do? Know the purpose. Okay, you're called. You're, You're an SUM student right now. That's your first calling. That's good. If you don't know anything after this, that's okay. You have three years to get the next word. Are you with me? You don't have to have it all figured out today. Well, I'm going to be a church plan. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to do that. Well, you know, what was the purpose of coming here then? You know, you, you need to discover some of that along the way. And you need to be trained in that. Now, some of you may be the unique ones. And you may say, I have it all mapped out. Well, then you've come to get trained. But also, listen to me, you've come to develop that as well. Okay, you really have. So number one, we pray for you that God will fulfill every purpose and that God will bless And his power will be behind every act that you do. Now look at how it says this, that by his power he may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. So we're praying that you will allow God to use you. I'm praying that you'll allow God to take you out of your limitations and into his no limitations. That you'll allow God to take you out of your natural into your supernatural. Does everybody get that? And why are we praying this? Just so that we all can have big ministries? No, verse 12. We pray this, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. And you and him, according to the grace of our God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, we're praying that you receive the glory of God through this. That God gets great, uh, that God's glory, which means basically God's greatness. That God looks great in you, and you look great in God. That's what it means. We pray this that you may be glo- that Jesus may be glorified in you. So Jesus gets to look great when you become a great preacher, right? Because you're going to say Jesus gave you that power, right? And when you make disciples, Jesus gets to look great in you because you're going to say Jesus gave you that power. When the purposes and plans, the acts here are fulfilled, who gets to look good? Jesus. But the Bible doesn't stop there. It could just stop there. We could all just be Jesus' liege, his lieges, you know, his servants, you know, I'm at your liege, you know, I'm your liege. It's like the old English way of saying I'm your servant. You know, we could just be God's servants, the hunchback guy, you know, helping the mad scientist. Who was that guy, the crazy guy? Igor, we could just be the Igors of Jesus. That's the image I got in my mind. We could be the Igors of Jesus, but he doesn't want us to be the Igors because it says not only does Jesus get glory in us, but it says we are glorified in him. So that now means that we look good to his glory. Because the Bible says when the angels come down and God judges the world, when we have been obedient, we then will make Jesus look good to all of his other creation, all the other angels, and to those who disobeyed him. We'll be able to be his trophies. And he'll say, see, Lauren obeyed me. You see how good Lauren looks? And because Lauren looks good, he looks good. So it works for both of our benefits. We're not Igors in the kingdom of God. Are you trapped? with me. God bought us with his blood. And he could spend us on anything he wants. So you've been bought. And he could spend you on elotes if he wants. He could say, Chris, I own you. I want you to be an elote man the rest of your life and just smile and say Jesus loves you. But, Lord, I went to Bible college. Lord, I want to change the world. Chris, I want you to stand on that corner and sell elotes and tell people Jesus loves them. And if that was God's will, you could change the whole world right there by selling elotes. You could win the next Billy Graham to the Lord. You could win the next pastor just by being there. You could be that one that made a difference. He could do that, but chances are he won't. He could spend us on things that we would find pointless. And sometimes he does. He does ask ministers sometimes to do things they have no idea why. But most of the time he'll give you great and exciting things to do. And I do believe even if he called you to sell those in Lotes, he would do it for your joy and you would enjoy selling Lotes. Amen. God told me to get a CDL driver's license, I had a commercial driver's license. Why? So I could pick up kids from the inner city. Okay, I was a pastor. Well, you you shouldn't have to be a bus driver. Yeah, but how are these kids going to get there? You're going to be the one that gets there. Are you sure, God? Uh, You're you're going to be the one that picks them up. Are you sure, God? Yeah, I want you to pick them up. So I had to go take a CDL driver's license test. And this is how naive I was. So I first go out and buy the bus, right? And Some of you have heard the story. Have you heard the story? If you've heard the story, raise your hand about the CDL. Okay. For those who haven't heard it, I'm going to tell real quick. So I buy the bus. Then I show up at the DMV to get the license because I'm thinking they're just going to be like, look, drive the bus, park the bus, do do, do something with the bus, and we're going to give you a license. I had no idea that I had to take a 100-word test on hazmat materials, on child safety, on, you know, because commercial driver's license covers from the bus driver all the way to the guy carrying, you know, hazmat materials. It's anything but a semi-truck. So the bottom line is I fail the test. I fail the test. And then the woman looks out there, she goes, Is that your bus? I go, yeah, yeah, that's my bus. Well, you can't drive that bus off here. That's illegal. And I'm so serious, man. I am like in Slidell, which is 40 miles away from New Orleans, because I was buying the bus in Mississippi coming home. So I'm thinking, I'm just going to stop off and get me a CDL on the way home. But here was the thing I brought the homeless dude with me. You know what I'm saying? I brought the homeless dude with me. So the homeless dude, we just going to call him Tyrone. That's okay. My typical black, by the way, I worked in the South, and I worked all at the African-Americans, and you're the one African-American. Let's give it up for Adam. Amen. He's cool. Just, just so we can be cool. I normally, because I can't remember all their names, you know what I'm saying? So I, I'm just going to call him Tyrone T for short, right? Okay, you all right with that? You cool with that? You feel me? All right, baby. <laughs> So, anyways, so here I am. Point to the van. That's your van. You ain't driving. You ain't driving that bus out of here. So what do I do? I point to the dude, Tyrone T. And I'm like, that's all right. He's got his CDL. I was such a liar. Like, oh my gosh, I feel convicted even talking about this. So I run up into the van, the the bus. They are looking at me, and I'm like, listen, Tyrone, you got to drive this bus on out of here. What's over there, Pastor? I ain't got my license, Pastor. I just, I literally just pulled him off the streets like two days ago. And I'm like, do you come with me? Go get a bus. You know what I'm saying? So he's hanging out with me. He's like, Pastor, I ain't even got a license. I'm like, listen to me, Tyrone. You are going to drive this bus right on out of here, and we are going to pretend like you got a CDL, man. So he gets in the bus. Come on, Pastor. If I get arrested for this, Pastor, you got to tell him, son. You got. T- I'm going to take care of you. Go. Get out of here. And I'm like waving to the person. And here's Tyrone, like, driving the bus. He's like, what did you get me into? <laughs> Come on, somebody say God bless Tyrone. Amen. He had a crazy pastor. Amen. And now you all got that crazy pastor. Pray for, pray for yourselves. Amen. Praise the Lord. But I've been set free. I don't lie like that no more. Amen. But the idea behind why I'm saying all of this is that God will bless us as we take steps of faith. And my step of faith was I'm going to become a CDL bus driver. I'm, I'm going to become licensed. I'm going to do this. Well, I took the book, and it was a thick book. You know, I had to learn about air brakes. I had to learn about how to put on my stop signals. You know, we come in before a, like a railroad track, and you see the how all these school bus drivers do all that. I learned all of that. So why? I could be a bus driver to pick up kids and bring them to school. I mean, bring them to church. You may be asked by God to do things. You just don't have any idea why, but you got to be willing to. Amen? So number one, we're praying that you will walk worthy of your calling. I'm just going to give you two more scriptures quickly that you will walk worthy of the calling. Turn with me to Philippians. Let me get you the chapter right here. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending, fighting, that's what we're contending, as one man for the faith of the gospel. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Why is he telling them this? Well, if you go forward, uh, go, go above, Paul is talking about, you know, he is torn uh, between going to heaven and staying here on this earth. He's torn between going to different locations. He can't visit all of his churches anymore. And what he's saying to them is, whether I die and go to heaven or whether I can never make it back through Philippi, you need to walk worthy of the gospel. And That's what I was saying back there in prayer. It's not about me. You see, what will happen is a lot of times you may want to correct the corrector. You may want to become a spec inspector. Try to start looking at the specs in our eyes while you've got a big old beam in your own eye. Don't become a corrector of the corrector and don't become an inspect, inspe, a spec inspector. Learn to walk worthy of the calling for yourself. It is not your job to come to SUM to change SUM. You have not come here to change your professors. You have not come here to change me or any leader here. That is not why you are here. One day, if you have seen something that is truly needing to be changed, one day you may be a part of that change. But that day is not today. And the only way you will be a part of that change is if today you showed that you were teachable. Because if you come in here like a know-it-all and cocky and prideful, we will never listen to you. So if God has really given you things to help us, prove it by being the best servant and the best follower you can for the next three years. And after you graduate as a leader, like some uh, that are here today, when we meet around that round table, you can then make your suggestions. And guess what? Most don't have a whole lot of suggestions anymore. You find that out. I don't have a whole lot of suggestions for SUM anymore like I used to when I was a student. Because you find out that mostly 99% of what they were doing was for your good, was for your character, and that it wasn't about you. What, what's going on here? For what purpose? OK, because we're running behind on that. And I apologize. Not only are you guys getting tested, I'm getting tested, and so is the campus. You know, the Internet, the devil's a liar, amen? You will make it, though. You will make it. Okay, so number one, we're praying for you to walk worthy so that you'll fulfill the purposes and actions of your faith. Number two, we want you to walk worthy no matter what happens. No matter what happens. Well, my best friend that I grew up with, you know, uh, well, I can't say that to you here, but uh, you may say, well, the best friend I made in this college now backslid, backslidden, so what, walk worthy of the calling. My leader has backslidden, so what, walk worthy of the calling. I don't care if Brother Anthony tomorrow starts cross-dressing and starts singing Barbara Streisand songs on Bourbon Street. I'm still serving Jesus. Are you listening to me? And some of you who just got that mental image, just wash it by the blood right now. But I'm serious. If he starts dressing up as Barbara Streisand, as a drag queen, it, it starts singing them songs on Bourbon Street. I don't care. I'm going to walk worthy. Are you listening to me? And I, I mean that in all seriousness. I will walk worthy. If my wife loses her mind, and I don't even want to speak it, but wives have left their husbands in ministry. Husbands have left their wives. If my children don't live for God, that's why I'm having a bunch of them. Amen. They can join the circus if they want because i got somebody else to take their place. I'm serious. I am playing with them. Are you listening to me? It doesn't matter what all y'all do. I'm going to walk worthy of the gospel. Now that shouldn't just be something Joe says to make you all laugh, right? That should be something you say. Doesn't matter what my parents do. I'm walking for, living for Jesus. Walking worthy. Doesn't matter what Berto does. I'm walking worthy. Doesn't matter what Jared does. Doesn't matter what anybody else does. I'm going to walk worthy. Doesn't matter what Chancellor Noe does. Doesn't matter what any of them do. I'm going to walk worthy. Could you imagine being in Jimmy Swaggart's Bible College? Some of you haven't even heard of Jimmy Swaggart, but he was one of the best, well-known preachers of Pentecostalism, the Assembly of God, in the 80s. He stood in front of his congregation and said, I had an affair. You know who was a student at the Bible college at that time? Uh, a thousand Bible college students? Brother Anthony was one of the Bible college students that sat there watching his pastor confess, I've had an affair. This pastor, uh, Jimmy Swagger, was making over a million dollars a week, was in all the different nations, had a Bible college of a thousand, had a congregation of close to, you know, five to 10,000. It was the biggest at that time. And he stood before his congregation and said, I've blown it and I'm stepping out of ministry. Brother Anthony said, I'm going to still walk worthy of the gospel. I'm going to still contend, fight for the faith. you got to fight for your faith. Faith is a fight. Sometimes people say they lost their faith. Well, you better get it back. How do you get back your faith? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Number one, if you lost it, get it by the word of God. Well, I'm in a fight and I feel like I'm getting beaten up. Well, give it back. How do you give back to the devil what he's given to you? The Bible says the word of God is now the sword of the spirit. If you notice in the armor, everything protects you, but now there's something that assaults the enemy. Start speaking the word. I'll give you a perfect example of this. I was getting terrible jet lag on the last uh, trip I was in India. Terrible jet lag. Literally, they'll tell you, three days I was off. I mean, I was up in the middle of the night and barely making it in the day and sleeping all the hours in the afternoon. You know what I said at at the third day? I said, okay, devil. I know this is a spiritual thing now because I can't get my body to sleep. And I know I could if I was somewhere else. This is spiritual. So you know what I'm going to do, devil? I'm going to start writing my next book right now. Within the first paragraph of that book, I got sleepy and I went to bed. (laughs) I'm so serious. I'm so serious with you. I mean, you could say, Joe, that's a little superstitious. But, hey, the devil, I believe, works in those kinds of ways. The moment I said to the devil, I'm going to start using this sleeplessness to start writing books, that, 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 that anxiety or that, that stress, whatever I was feeling beyond what I felt was normal, just went away, slept like a baby. So you got to use the sword right back at the devil. Amen. You're going to keep me up, devil. I'm going to start praying for all my last, lost family members. I'm going to start singing some worship songs to Jesus until I get so blessed and roasted and toasted in the Holy Ghost, my shadow is going to heal the sick. you got to make a determination. Amen? Amen. And then lastly, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. I want you to walk worthy of your calling because one day you're going to be in charge and get paid to do this. Three things of walking worthy. Number one, you got to pray for it and we're praying it for you so that you can do great things for God. Number two, that no matter what happens, you're going to walk worthy of that calling. And then lastly, that you're going to bear fruit. You're going to be successful. 110 of Colossians. And we pray this. See, once again, it's a prayer. In order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience, joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves and whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins." Walk worthy of the Lord that you can bear some fruit. We pray this for you, that your actions will be fulfilled. We pray this for you, that whatever happens, you'll stick with it, and that you're going to be successful in ministry. You're going to go from glory to glory to glory what does it mean to walk worthy of the calling? Because this is not just for ministers, even though we read that ministers especially have to walk worthy because they're in charge and getting paid, but all Christians need to walk worthy because they're bearing the name of Christ. And we don't need any more hypocrites, right? We don't need any more false Christians. We need real Christians. But why is this so, it's just so particular for you? And Lauren, would you come on the piano, please, in closing? Why is this so uh, particular for you and why I believe you need to hear this today? It's because my dad gave me advice from when I was really young. He said, guard your heart and protect your testimony. And if you look at the Old Testament, you know, the Bible talks about the heart being where everything flows from. We know it now as the soul. Heart and soul are the same thing in biblical thinking. But you need to guard your heart. And you need to protect your testimony. The devil wants to take you out of your race. He wants you to give up. If the devil was here today and we could hear him talking to his demons, kind of like C.S. Lewis's book. Um, thank you, Tape Letters. I love that book. You would hear him probably say something like this about you. If you attack them head on, they'll only fight harder. If you tell them they're not called, if you tell them that they can't change the world, if you attack them head on, They'll see you coming as an attack, and they'll fight you right back. No, I am called. I'm not going to give up. I'm zealous. It's my first year. If you attack them head on, they're just going to fight you right back, and you probably won't win. But if you start just picking away at little things, just have them get discouraged about their finances week after week after week. They'll lose focus and put down their guard. You would probably hear the devil say something like that. If you come at them with a full-on sexual type encounter, most of the time they'll say no. But if you can just put an old relationship, pornography, something of the past, a distraction, and just keep knocking away at it. If you come at them and say, don't preach, don't do this, they'll fight back. But if you just start getting them in insecurity, have them compare themselves to other people keep always reminding them, you're not like so-and-so. You're not. See, I believe if we heard the devil, we would understand why he is called a roaring lion. The roaring lion, what it does is it roars to intimidate its victim to get the split-second advantage over whatever it's chasing so that in the fear, it paralyzes them. The first thing you do when you hear a lion roar is you want to stop. Oh, my God. You know, like if you hear a loud noise, what do you do? You stop. You're like, oh, what was that? Or somebody scares you. They come and scare you. What do you do? You stop or you jump, right? The first reaction isn't to run. The first one is you stand. You just, whoa, ah, you know. You, you stop. It paralyzes you. And what the devil wants to do is he just wants that advantage over you. He wants to paralyze you with fear paralyze you with your past. You'll never change. This is not gonna work. You you know you've made mistakes before. And if he can do that, now he can get all the other stuff to come. Because he's got you to lower down your guard. And within I started uh, the same time you do, August, uh, whatever nineteenth, by Halloween I dropped out of school my first semester. about that, October 31st. So what is that, two months? Within two months, I already quit. Why? See, because the devil didn't come at me and say, you know, you're a loser. You'll never be able to do anything for God. No, what he did is he just started picking away at my pride. See, pride was my little uh, vine, that the, uh, the, the little wolf that, that spoils the vine. It was my little crack, my little weed is what you could say, and the foundation. And the devil just kept picking on me. See, these professors aren't Rob Parsley. See, I wanted to go to Rob Parsley, a big televangelist school. And he just kept saying, see, they're not as anointed as Rob Parsley. And even to this day, see, now that I've become an experienced preacher, even Brother Anthony will say, Joe, you've always been able to preach better than me. See, but back then it was like the devil was lying to me. See, it's like, you can preach better than them. You're you're more enthusiastic. You're more gifted. Don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. You're better than smart, and and it's like little by little, and then they kept trying to correct me, and I wouldn't listen. They kept trying to correct me, and I wouldn't listen until finally they put their foot down. They said, we have all of these little corrections, and you're not changing. You either make an about face today, start cleaning toilets. That was before the Servant of All program was official. They said, you start cleaning toilets, or you get out of this Bible college right now. You shut up and start cleaning toilets, or you leave. That's the only option you have. I said, well, you just made it easy for me. I quit. Of course I ain't going to clean toilets and shut up. I'm anointed. I'm here to preach. Y'all just ain't spiritual enough to understand who I be. That's exactly what I did. I'm serious, full of pride. See, because the devil said, now I got him. Now I got him. See, if I would have told him, quit, because you can't preach, quit. You know, because the devil knew where mine was. And so he got me to be afraid of trusting God in humility. And so I became prideful. And in doing that, he now had the advantage, he could speak it to me, and it cracked apart my foundation. And now this radical Bible college student, not because of any other reason, but my own pride, bam, I quit. And what did God say to me as I'm leaving? Some of you all heard the story. It's in the book, 201 book on humility. God says, you leave here, I leave you. Now, could I possibly have done that? No, God's everywhere. But what he was saying was, you leave here, I'm done talking to you because this is where I'm talking right now. I'm done asking you to do things because this is where I'm asking you to do things. See, a lot of times we don't think God is connected to relationships or places. I'll hear God at home on a Sunday morning in my pajamas sleeping in. No, you won't. You'll hear you're the own idol of your heart. You will deceive yourself. God is, You could, but chances are you won't with that attitude. God is connected to relationships. God is connected to places. There's reasons why we have to be in places and around people. Timothy just couldn't say to Paul, Well, forget you, Paul. I know Jesus, too. I don't need you. I'm just going to walk over here and do my own thing. And so that day, Long story short, the Lord convicted me and I came back and I repented and from that day forward, I made a decision that Brother Anthony would be my pastor. That commitment has stayed in my heart all these years and I haven't always done it perfect. There's times we've gotten in fights and arguments but from that day forward, I made a decision I would have a pastor, I would have somebody I could trust. You know, and I look back at those pictures, he was only 12 years older than me. We could have been brothers. But I just say, you know what, this man's been walking with the Lord, he's gone through these battles. You know, it's like he doesn't have to be Billy Graham, he just has to be a few steps ahead of me to help me, right? I mean, that's what a mentor does, right? And, of course, I've discovered so many wonderful things about his life and all that. And I'm not just trying to say that about my story, but about a year ago I met a young man. I don't want to mention his name, but he actually came to SUM. He was my age. And he started saying his story to me. He was a part of SUM as a young man, but then he quit. And then as he quit, he went into sin. He didn't quit in sin. He quit first, then went into sin. And then he felt convicted, and he went back to SUM. And literally him coming to this cohort was like his fourth try at SUM. And as a matter of fact, I'm hearing now he's still trying to do it. And he's like in his 30s, okay, from the time he was my age, okay. And I remember, I mean, it just put the fear of God in me. God then spoke to me and said, that would have been your life. You would have just gone in circles. You would have said you loved me. You would have tried. But because you never would have trusted me in that day, you wouldn't have known how to trust me in those other days. And once the devil knew he could push you back one step, he would just keep pushing you back your whole life. Because the Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all they do. You start being double-minded now and get blown by every which way of the wind, you'll get blown to the next direction, next direction. And I've talked to some SUM students who have left here, and one particularly who's just been gone a full year, and I said, okay, it's been a full year. Let me ask you, you in the same place with God as you were when you left here? No, I'm not in the same place. Are you doing the same things for ministry, radical for God? No, I'm not doing the same things. Well, what changed? And he gives me all of these excuses, and I go, wouldn't the one thing that changed was where you were and what you were doing? Well, I don't read like I used to. I don't. Well, but where did you, you did it here because God wanted you here. Now, can he do it other places? Yes, I'm just saying, I can see when God starts something, we need to finish it. And how do we do it? We walk worthy of it. We take this serious, guys. You take it serious. You didn't just come here on your own. You came here by the Holy Spirit. And I'm not just here to be your pep coach and all that. I'm here to be a pastor and shepherd you and lead you. And we want to see you finish this race. So walk worthy of it. Don't let the devil lie to you. Don't let him trip you up. Don't become your worst enemy. Finish it. If you need prayer, we'll pray with you because we are right now. Amen. And no matter what happens with your neighbor, you keep going forward and I promise you, you'll see success in your ministry. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Give them glory today. Amen. And by the way, as preachers, I want you to know this. We don't give him glory because the preacher wants you to. We give him glory because the Bible says at all times, let us praise him. Let my mouth be full of praise all the time. With everything that has breath, praise the Lord. That's why in our church, Metro Praise, we make it a habit of praise. Amen. So let's give him another praise offering for his word. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now would you just get in a posture of worship right now and just worship him for a few moments. And I don't want there to be a spirit of condemnation in here. Come on, we're not saying that you need to keep becoming worthy, becoming worthy. No, the way the Bible says it is you're made worthy, and then you walk it out. Okay? So it's not like this continual thing, well, I'm not worthy. Maybe next year I'll be worthy. No, you're worthy now because he made you worthy. You're the righteousness of Christ now because he made you that. Now, the question I just want you to ask yourself, just real quick in closing, is there any distractions to that right now? Anything that could be a potential hazard? If there is, would you ask the Lord to show you a way of escape right now? Lord, I want to walk worthy of your call in Jesus. Guide me, God, and show me where the pitfalls are. See, the Bible says we're not unaware of the devil's schemes. We can see them. The Bible says you'll be able to spot those devil's schemes. For some of you, it may be relationships. Let me tell you something. I didn't date for the first three years of Christianity. Why? Because God said, that will be a pitfall for you, Joe. Just stay away from it. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Didn't watch TV and movies for eight years. Eight years, no TV or movies. God said, stay away from the media. Stay away from entertainment of this world because it could draw you in. See, just let God speak some of those things to you now. They're not laws. They're not things that everybody's got to do. It's just things for you to walk worthy. So distractions won't come in. Come on, some of you may have to cut out relationships. I didn't talk to my old friends for about two years. I went to Bible college. They never heard from me again. Literally. Come on, ask the Lord. Lord, where is the distraction? Where could be something that would come up? And Lord, give me a way of escape. few moments right now in his presence. Jesus. Oh, provide a way of escape, God. Make it practical. Come on, don't have it be so spiritual you don't understand it. Make it Practical. Make it practical. SUM won't allow you to listen to secular music, and I didn't listen to secular music for fifteen years. I didn't start listening to non-Christian music until last year. Some of you have already given that up for the uh, two hundred one. You will give it up now for the rest of the time. You're an SUM. It's just their rules. They're trying to prevent things from happening. You got to guard your heart, friends. You got to. You you know what's going on, and God will help you. But you got to decide today, it's not going to take you out this race. Oh, Jesus. Now let's just worship him and just tell him, Lord, I want to walk worthy. Amen. Will you just sing a song of Zion right now? Hallelujah. song of the Spirit. Just be led. A melody from heaven. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God, help us to see you and not our problems. Oh, yes, Lord.